All right, well, we are in eschatology, and so uh, this is our seventh lesson. Last week, we covered the signs of the times and the end of the age, and we went through Matthew 24 and all those things that Jesus said were going to have to happen, and one of those that was he mentioned several times was deceivers, and so we, it seemed good to write a lesson just about deceivers, so we call this lesson Deceivers and Their Influence. Next week, we're going to look at uh, deceivers and the apostasy, which means the great falling away. So what we want to do, because Jesus talked about deception and deceivers so much in Matthew 24, right in quoting him that basically right before he came, deceivers would abound. Well, uh, that's right where we're at in history. We, we're seeing a lot of deception. And so we want to take a, a lesson and look at a bunch of stuff through the New Testament on deception and deceivers. And that way we can be protected. We can guard our heart. Uh, this is maybe not as exciting as if we were to cover the revelation and stuff that's off in future world, but I, I have more confidence preaching the stuff that's happening right now because we can see it accurately and it's, it's affecting you right now. You guys will not be affected by the dragon or the whore of Babylon or the two witnesses or the 144,000. That will never touch you guys because we will have been raptured out of here. I would rather, as a pastor, give you what you deal with now. So in that case, it's, with this lesson, it's deceivers and their influence. So let's look at our lesson here. Eschatology is the study of end-time events. Two of the events prophesied about in the last days are the proliferation of deceivers and a subsequent apostasy. Apostasy just means a falling away or a defection from truth. These prophesied events are taking place right now, so we must study what the Bible has to say about them. This, uh, honestly, even in the last five or ten years, this, this su uh, subject and topic here has come alive more than ever. And unfortunately, uh, you can probably judge it in your heart, Christian television more than anything has helped to promote the deception. And that just lets you know there those folks are deceived. Twenty years ago, Christian television was an awesome thing. And probably 95% of what was on Christian television was good and worth watching. Now, 20 years later, by my estimation here in 2012, 95% of what's on Christian television ain't worth watching. It's deception. It's goofiness. Because in the last 20 years, uh, deceivers have learned how to make money off the body of Christ and merchandise the body. They have, in, in essence, taken the bride of Christ, the, the, the body of the Lord Jesus, and turned her into a prostitute to pimp money out of her. And they're doing it in the name of the gospel. So this lesson may be more timely now than ever about deception and deceivers and their influence. One of the things we're going to prove in this lesson and next week's lesson is that it will be the deception in the body of Christ and the deceived leaders who will actually more than likely cause the great falling away. They will lead many astray, and it's because the church is ignorant. And uh, I think next week's lesson we cover which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Which comes first, the deceivers or the apostasy? And, and we'll cover next week that uh, the spirit of Antichrist seems to prepare both of them simultaneously, both softening the hearts of the Christians for rebellion against God and raising up a leader who will lead them away from God. And so it isn't like we've always heard about the great apostasy, the great falling away. We thought folks would just peel off. No, they're being led off from Jesus Christ because they don't have a fervent or strong heart themselves. And the other thing that has come to my understanding and revelation as of late as I've studied the scriptures is that as 1 Timothy 4.1 says, many shall depart from the faith. Well, that will include leaders. And when leaders depart from the faith, what happens to their followers? 
what happens to their congregations, what happens to their television audience, what happens to their book club, what happens to those that read and listen to their CDs, they will be led astray too. Which brings us to what the book of Jude calls wandering stars. Stars that were at one point set in the heavens in their place and they begin to wander out of orbit. And honestly, a wandering star is not a star because stars don't wander, they, they are set. And a good leader should be set in the body of Christ. But according to the book of Jude, in the last days, stars will begin to wander. And so the question is, what happens when those that navigate by that star continue to navigate by the star that is now moving out of its fixed position? They will mislead everybody. And we know, G, uh, excuse me, Lucifer pioneered this move. He was the morning star and he fell out of his place and he took a third of the angels with him. And he's still moving that way. He's still moving upon people to get them out of their place. Now, the interesting thing is the Greek word for wandering star also means uh, deception or seduction. And so that's just how this thing all works. So with that encouraging note, let's look some at deceivers. (laughs) Deception is lies interwoven and mixed with truth. This is why it's effective. Deception can be defined as lies interwoven with truth. And if all you do is hunting for truth, you'll always find it even in the mouth of the most pronounced cult leader. Even Jim Jones, uh, who, who had the great falling away back in, the, I believe, the 70s with Guyana and they all drank Kool-Aid. Uh, Jim Jones was in Assemblies of God pastor for many years. And actually, uh, Steve-O and Chris Gert and I went to a church where his fellow, his former associate pastor still went. And so we kind of hobnobbed a little bit with Jim Jones' former associate pastor. And uh, the story goes, it was kind of a you know, local church lore there in, in Indianapolis, because Jim Jones was originally in, in, in Indianapolis, Assemblies of God. He told this man, who was actually the father-in-law of the senior pastor there, he said, God's called me to California to do a great work. I want you to go with me. Jim Jones, spirit-filled, good old solid Assemblies of God. This is back 60s and 70s. And the father-in-law who we went to church with, he said, I've prayed about it. I don't feel good about going. I'm going to stay in Indianapolis. All right. So Jim Jones goes to California and begins his work decent. Fast forward, I don't know how many years, 5, 10, 15. He's got a cult. They're in Guyana drinking Kool-Aid. And the U.S. military comes in to rescue some Americans. And there's a gunfight and everybody's murdered or killed or suicide. Dr. Frederick Price got healed in a Jim Jones meeting while it was developing its cult status. Or no, I'm sorry, I think he got born again in a Jim Jones meeting and saw a woman get healed in a Jim Jones meeting. There's always, the point is there's always truth even among the greatest deceivers. That's why it's so alluring because there's enough truth there that you justify staying put. There's enough truth there you justify keep reading the book. There's enough truth there you justify you keep listening to the CD. Uh, That's how you poison animals, is you take something that's truth and you put poison, you put lies in there. Whether it's antifreeze, which tastes good. We're going to teach you how to kill animals here real quick. (laughs) Which tastes good, but in the end it shuts down all their organs. Or whether it's poisoning a piece of meat by putting rat poison in the meat. It wants the meat, but the lie is what kills it. All this good meat, all this good truth, but it just takes one little nugget of poison to kill the animal. Or a trap. You put something truthful in the trap and it gets in there and triggers the trap. That's deception. It is lies interwoven with truth. And oftentimes you can't taste the lies. 
but the Holy Ghost knows they're there and he can help you. In deception, there are enough elements of truth to make it palatable to the unstable and naive soul. That's why you must be students of the word. In deception, there's enough elements of truth to make it palatable to the unstable and naive soul. That's why 1 John encourages us to try the spirits. But if you don't know how to try the spirits, you'll just be ignorant. Deceivers are masters at mixing perversion with truth to beguile the innocent. Deception is not a threat to the heathen world. They are of their father, the devil. They're already deceived. They live in deception. Deception is the norm. Deception is an assault on the body of Christ. Deception comes to get you and I off the word of God. Deception comes to get us away from Jesus. Deception comes to get us away from the word of life and the word of truth. So that's why we have to be careful of it. That's just a little introduction to deception because our subject is deceivers and the fact that Jesus prophesied that in the last days they would abound and they are everywhere right now. False ministers. Let's look at what the Bible says about false ministers. We're kind of lumping all these together, deceivers and false ministers. The Bible speaks of several different kinds of false ministers. By definition, they are not deemed false because they appear to be genuine. Excuse me, by by definition, they they are deemed false because they appear to be genuine. The reason they're called false is because they have this similitude. They have this, it looks real. But they, somebody has to come along and say they're not. But they look it, but they're not. But look at the size of their ministry, but there's no truth there. But look at how big their airplane is, there's no truth there. Look at how big their church is, there's no truth there. They have to be called false because there's enough truth in there to deceive people. Nobody calls a Satanist a false pastor. Nobody calls a Muslim a false apostle. They're just raw, whatever they are, raw Satanist, raw Muslim. We have to be careful. The very fact that the scriptures and the Lord Jesus tell us that there are false ministers lets us know that if we are not careful, we will fall for the guile. We'll fall for the guise. We'll fall for the trick. We have counterfeit money and we have to be warned about counterfeit money because it looks so real. Nobody tries to pass off Monopoly money at the gas station. In fact, we, we were somewhere at Walgreens. We went to go get some ice cream or something, and somebody was with me, and I handed her a 20. I said, careful, that my buddy here just stole it. It's counterfeit. That's not a wise thing to say. She, sw- she, she swipes it under the ultraviolet light to the left. She said, it's all right. I said, ma'am, I was just playing with you. She didn't think it was too funny, I don't think. No. <laughs> just trying to cut up with her because she had no sense of humor and she still didn't when I was done with her. (laughs) They have to do this because the the fake looks so real. Counterfeit money looks so real. They have to install ultraviolet lights everywhere to reproduce uh, uh, the uh, the phosphorescent ink that's in it. And that's the same thing with these false ministers. They look so real. You got to put them under the light to see how they glow. You got to put them under the light to see how they reflect. And that's what we have to be trained to do with the word of God. We can take any preacher on television, any preacher that comes through our pulpit, and we put them under the light and we see how they glow. And if they don't, or if they won't repent of stuff, or if they're not humble, I'm sorry, you're not coming back. Or you know what? I've supported you for 20 years through that last revival, but you're dead. You're not getting my money. I'm sending it to Africa. I'm sending it to South America. I'm just going to keep it. (laughs) I'd rather keep it than waste it on a false prophet. 
We have to be mindful of this because if it, if it was not possible for Christians to be deceived, Jesus would have never even mentioned it. If it was not possible for Christians to be deceived, Jesus would not have to give a warning about it. But the very fact that he talks about it so much lets us know many are going to fall for this thing. By definition, they are deemed false because they appear to be genuine. They pass themselves off as genuine, but they are in fact counterfeit. Their destructive effectiveness is based on their ability to pass themselves off as the real deal. These false offices include, now let's go through what the Bible says can be out there. First and foremost, or maybe not in any order, false prophets. The Bible there in those passages talks about false prophets. I would also throw out there, if the Bible talks so much about false prophets, they're going to be real prophets too. The devil doesn't counterfeit things that don't exist. He doesn't have a false unicorn. He doesn't have a false pegasus. He doesn't have a false chupacabra ministry to the body of Christ because there's no such thing as a real chupacabra ministry to the body of Christ. He only replicates what is already in existence and real. That's why it has to be called false. All right. So false prophets, false teachers. Well, if there's false teachers and there has to be real teachers. If there's a fake $20 bill, there's a real $20 bill. You know, there's no such thing as a fake $4 bill because there's no such thing as a real $4 bill. False pastors. Jeremiah talks about false pastors. I have preached and taught on that quite a bit. This may be one of the scariest because the, the local church is where, past, where, where the sheep live and there's a lot of false pastors out there that are misleading sheep. There's even, I'll just, because I am a real pastor, uh, most of the time what happens is a minister gets it in his eye that the local church is a good way to make money. In fact, even concerning the black community, I just read this article and they said um, the th <laughs> concerning African America and, and the culture that the three quickest ways to overcome the ghetto now, this is a, a, a black Christian writing this, this blog. They said the quickest way for blacks to get rich in America now is the rap industry, the professional athletic industry and become a pastor. Well, I would maybe say, and it isn't just blacks, so we're not picking on blacks, but anybody that gets in the ministry for money is automatically false. Because all you got to do, and this, this article, even though it was a Holy Ghost Christian writing, it said all you have to do is get in the pulpit and quote Malachi 3.10, bring ye the tithes. That's a false pastor. They're not in it for the sheep. They don't live for the sheep. They live for themselves, and they see the sheep as cash cows. Well, sheep are not cash cows. They are sheep. That's why the Lord Jesus calls them sheep. And so any church that overemphasizes money, you have to be careful because they're not in it for the right reasons. There is a financial aspect to every ministry. Even Jesus had an accountant, but his name was Judas. But even Jesus had to dabble with money to minister to the poor and travel and do all that. So there's a real aspect to that. But there's a lot of false pastors out there and they tend to build the biggest churches in the land. That's the scary thing because the devil doesn't have a problem letting a Christian go to a church pastored by a false pastor because the devil doesn't have to fool with that Christian anymore. He's already got his hand in the false pastor's stomach and he can, he can affect a thousand or 10,000 just through one perverted preacher. So the Bible does warn us about false pastors. There are false Christs. 
And uh, there's two ways you can preach that. There are those that will claim to be Jesus Christ himself, and we've had those in times past. And the word Christ just means anointed one, not just, but not to, that, not to belittle it. It means anointed one. So there are many that have come and said, I am anointed, I am anointed, and they are not anointed. The word Christ means the anointed one, the one with the Spirit of God. So there's false Christ. The Bible even talks twice about false apostles. So there are real apostles, but there are also false apostles. And the Bible talks about twice false brethren. So there's a lot of deception. The, the church had just barely started and all of a sudden we have all this coming out. Now think about 2,000 years of church development, church growth, the body of Christ growing, evangelism and world mission spreading. 2,000 years, how many more false people are out there? Probably the scariest is false brethren because you may not always be around a false minister, but you may always be best friends with a false brethren. And you've got to be very careful who your friends are in the body of Christ. If anything else, you should be mindful that in these last days, we have to walk on red alert constantly. Remember after 9-11, we had different shades of colors, yellow and orange and green or red for heightened security. And uh, you, in a sense, have to live at heightened security. And honestly, if you just learn to develop the spirit of God on the inside of you, you can go about your business and God will speak to you when somebody's dangerous to be around and God will speak to somebody when you can be at peace. So more than now than ever, we have to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit because the spirit of truth will lead us and guide us into all truth and keep us free from deception of all those many voices that are out there deceiving people. So let's look at this. That doesn't seem, this may be a real discouraging lesson, uh, but the thing is where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And when there's deception, there must by, by balance, by, by the force of God, be truth. And so even though there's deception abounding, there must also be truth abounding. So successful deceivers. Jesus does not want his people deceived. Actually, let me, let me come back. Look at that last point there. I, I threw a note in there. There's no mention of a false evangelist anywhere in the Bible. Now, I think that's pretty neat. Every other ministry gift is, is located there except for the evangelist. And my judgment on that is that it seems that adhering to simple evangelism will keep you safe. If you keep it in the streets, you can't learn to pimp people. Now, when you stop going door to door and you build a giant TBN ministry and you, you throw in nothing but jokes in your message, you can still pimp the people. In fact, one of our biggest evangelists in the land, I don't know how many folks he wins for Jesus. He's also known to be a comedian. I saw him one time a few years ago. It broke my heart and he, he it was on his telecast and uh, everybody loves him because he never confronts sin. Uh, he just makes them laugh all the time. He was trying to teach and this church he was in kept egging him on. They were cheering at him and he had to stop and say, whoa, 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 whoa. And this is what he said. I, almost, I could almost verbatim quote you for it on it. He said, hold on a second. Let me teach you some word and then I'll make you laugh. Sorry, you already have a reputation. They didn't bring you in here because you're known for the word. They brought you into this church, sir, because you're a comedian. And that's how you can pull more money out of the local church than anybody else. So he's not really in the streets anymore doing the job of, of an evangelist, which is having that anointing to win the lost and keeping it pretty simple. Billy Graham may be one of the greatest evangelists our nation has ever seen. He tried pastoring for many years. He hated it. And he said, I have no heart for it. I want to win the lost. And it's evident he can win the lost. And if you've ever even watched his classics, he gets up there and he doesn't pull any soft punches. 
He preaches hard. I've gotten some, some really good revelation out of just a good teaching. He did preaching to 70,000 people in a football stadium, and then 20,000 people give their heart to Jesus, and it's in Seoul, Korea or something. He didn't have to tell jokes. What a sham. That's a false something. I can't call him a false evangelist because they're really not an evangelist anymore. They're a Christian comedian flying around on a jet. Who knew com- comedia, uh, who, who knew that uh, the body of Christ would promote a uh, comedian so well? Making up stories and whatever he does to make people laugh. Successful deceivers. Jesus does not want his people deceived. However, he promised it would happen to some believers. Three times in Matthew 24, Jesus warns us of deceivers and false Christ. So in one chapter alone, Jesus warns us in three verses of deceivers and false Christ. Let me remind you, he doesn't have to warn you if it isn't a potential. Did you know that when you go camping in Tennessee, they don't warn you about grizzly bears? But they do warn you about mosquitoes, rattlesnakes, and copperheads. Why? That's the danger at hand. When you go to uh, Africa, they don't warn you uh, about, I don't know, the abominable snowman. Because there is no abominable snowman to be had in Africa. They will warn you about hippos if you're on a river. Or they'll warn you about charging rhinos or spiders or certain snakes. Because it's a real threat. You only get warned for real threats. When you ride on a bus, they don't talk about your seat cushion being a flotation device. But when you fly on airplanes, especially across the ocean, they remind you a couple of times and they tell you, oh, and there's a vest under your seat too. And the, what do they say? In the unlikely event of a water landing. (laughs) That's a nice way to church it up. A water landing. Oh, this thing has pontoons? No, we'll probably skip for a half a mile and break off both wings and you'll have two minutes to get out. But in the unlikely event of a water landing... If Jesus is warning us about deceivers, guess what? We got to be wary of them. We have to be mindful of them. Look at Matthew 24, 4 and 5. And Jesus answered them and said to them, take heed that no man deceive you. He had to tell the 12 apostles, be careful. You could be deceived. You have to take heed. For many shall come in my name, saying I am Christ anointed and shall deceive many. Notice it says many. Jesus prophesied many Many would be deceived. And he even told the disciples, it could be you boys. Look at Matthew 24, 11, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So we have two different groups of folks here. We have deceivers and false Christs and false prophets. And together they deceive many and many. Well, what's many plus many? A whole lot. Still Matthew 24, verses 23 and 24. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there believe it not, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, and so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So it's, if it were possible, and, and theologians debate on whether he's saying it is, or maybe it's not, but it's going to happen, I think it is possible, because I pastor the elect. I pastor the elect. I pastor saints. And we can be deceived. I can tell just by me teaching recently on Sunday nights on false teachers, folks were upset because I kind of exposed their favorite TBN guru who hasn't contributed much to the body of Christ in 15 years. 
And it bothered them that I would dare bring truth to them. I, I like what one of our ministers said here, one of our probably our best Bible teachers here. Pastor, maybe I'm just dumb, but why would I feed on them when I have trouble keeping up with all the services you preach, all the curriculum you teach, Dr. Barclay stuff, everything we do in this church? How do they have time to follow those guys? And they just preach the same regurgitated message that's brought them millions of dollars every year for the last 20 years. Why would you stop a good thing? Why would you get any new revelation? Why would you dig anything out? Why would you correct the body of Christ when what you're doing is working for you? Why stop the gravy train? You've got a lifestyle you're used to. Folks, I know the elect can be deceived because I pastor some of them. The deceived elect. <laughs> I want you to see Jesus said they will be successful. That means they could succeed against us if we're not careful. These deceivers will target the church and will be somewhat successful. We cannot stop them. If Jesus prophesied is going to happen, it's going to happen. There will be many and they will deceive many. This is eschatology, unfortunately. This can and will affect people we know we must pray, excuse me, watch and pray and study the word to ensure that we are not part of the many. You will watch friends you know, family you know, get suckered into this. Probably all of you have friends or family that you know is just deceived off in loony land following something weird. This community is deceived. I hear about some of the books Christians are reading and some of the ministers are following and I'm thinking... You're already off course. You're already following that man. You're reading his bestseller. You're giving to his ministry when your pastor needs your money across town to do his work. And you'd rather eat up this guy who has bad doctrine and you don't even appreciate what your local pastor is doing for you. This is already happening. Apostolic witness is our next section. We're just going to see that the apostles in the epistles said the very same thing. Paul, John, and Peter all bore witness to the wicked ministry of these deceivers and spoke of how they will operate. Acts 20, 29, and 30, Paul said, For this I know, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. So wolves come from without. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So Paul said, once I leave town, and that was actually the last time he was in Ephesus was when he quoted this. He said, wolves will come in and dirt bags will rise up from within. So the church is constantly having to fight attacks from without and perversion from within. That's been happening ever since Paul's day. This is one of my favorite verses when I've gone overseas for mission work. I tell the ministers, the elders, I say, all right, guys. If a wolf comes in, my Bible says they won't spare the flock, so you don't spare them. Rebuke them, grab them, throw them, manhandle them, throw them out. If you make a mess, I'll clean it up when I get back, but protect the sheep at all costs. Don't let a wolf come in here while I'm gone. Look at 2 Peter 2, 1 and 2. But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Peter prophesying to the church what would happen. Who will privately bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So Acts 20 says they'll draw away disciples after themselves. Second Peter says that they, many shall follow their pernicious. The word pernicious is the same as damnable. Uh, many shall follow their pernicious ways. 
I look at 1 John 4, 1 and 5. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak they of the world, and the world hears them. Here's the kind of condemning or perhaps damning truth in verse 5 of 1 John 4. Sometimes the, the church will be deceived because the church has enough world still in them to want to hear what the deceivers have to say. The deceivers are purposely putting lies in their message. That's the heart of their message is lie. But they wrap truth around it. And some Christians will be drawn to them because they like the lie that they hear. But they keep the guise of the truth. What's wrong with Joseph Prince? He preaches Jesus, but you're drawn to the fact he lets you sin because his message says grace will cover it. Well, what's wrong with the prosperity? Oh, you're drawn to prosperity because you're in lust of money and greed. And yeah, they preach Jesus too, but you like the fact that you can drive anything you want to and dress any way you want to, and you don't have to, you don't have to serve. That's, that's what he says. Therefore speak they of the world and the world hears them. How come these deceivers are catching the ears of the church? It must be that there's still a lot of world left in the believers. And there's a drawing factor there. These three witnesses, these three vert passages say false prophets are coming, false prophets are coming, false prophets are coming, and they will be successful. Paul predicted that the church would see wolves come in from the outside and perverse speakers would arise from within to pull people away. Peter prophesied that false teachers were coming. They are here and they purposely, one translation says, shuffle in destructive errors that, that uh, privately bring in damnable heresies. One translation says they shuffle in like you're shuffling a deck of cards, they shuffle in destructive errors. That's what Rick Warren did when he wrote his book, Purpose Driven Church or Purpose Driven Life. Rick Warren purposely put in New Age doctrine. And it wasn't caught for many years until one of the former heads of the New Age movement in California got born again and everybody was raving over this book and they gave it to him and he said he got six or seven pages in it and he was seeing all the tenets of the New Age movement. And they confronted Rick Warren. He said, yes, yes, I subscribe to those. And I wanted to get them into the body of Christ. And so, yeah, I, he admitted to it. There's a book you can buy called Deceived on Purpose. And it's an expose of Purpose Driven Life. Purpose Driven is the number two selling book of all time, only behind the Bible. The number two selling book of all time, only behind the Bible. Purpose Driven. So this book, Deceived on Purpose, points out all this stuff. Rick Warren fulfilled Bible prophecy, but not the good kind. He, he, he fulfilled the part that said, and shall bring upon themselves swift destruction. <laughs> and the whole time he did it wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He purposely shuffled in destructive error. Yeah, Lord help us. These teachers are producing doctrines that appeal to carnal flesh and successfully teach and promote subtle rebellion against the spirit of truth. They successfully teach and promote subtle rebellion against the spirit of truth. So let's see real quick <clears throat> how deceivers operate. How do deceivers operate? Number one, we'll say they come in the name of Jesus. You have been trained to follow Christian leaders. If they didn't come in the name of Jesus, you'd walk out. If I stood up here and said, let's pray in the name of Muhammad. Ain't nobody bowing their head. 
I come to you in the name of the Lord. Okay. <laughs> they arise from within the church. That's the scary thing. They arise from within, so they know how we work. They know our lingo. They know our techniques. They know how we operate. Carlton Pearson is currently one of the biggest heretics. And uh, he, used to be a, he used to be one of Oral Roberts' sons of the faith and had a great ministry. We even do some of the songs from two of his CDs in our worship, and they're great music. He, had, he was a strong voice in Black Pentecost and had those Azusa revival meetings. And that's some of the music we do from time to time. But about, I don't know, five, six, seven, ten years ago, he started going the homosexual route. And now he teaches that uh, nobody's going to hell. And actually, when we were on our way to Nigeria, and I stopped off in the bookstore in Atlanta, and I found his new book. Of course, there he is with frosted highlights in his hair and his bishop's collar. He runs with a lesbian priestess. So I started reading through his book. Of course, made my head swim. But he said he started using all of his knowledge of the church to debunk and say, Christians say this, and they interpret this verse to mean this, but that's not what the verse means. And you'll also find among the Christians, and he starts excluding himself from the body and calling us them. They arise from within the church. My mom, who's a good Baptist woman, grew up listening to Carlton Pearson sing on Oral Roberts' TV show. He, has a, he had a great voice. He may still, but he is all this rain. He might as well have a rainbow collar on. But he was part of ORU. He would do stuff with Rama. He was Word of Faith. He was premier. He was cutting edge. One of the highlights of the rising stars in the body of Christ through the full gospel movement. And now he has a church of 20 or 30 bankrolled by some uh, powerful homosexuals in Chicago preaching damnable heresies. But he knows how we think. He knows how we operate because he arose from within the church. Amen. This denotes they start in obscurity and rise to a grand place of prominence and influence. They are the most effective on a national and international platforms. Everybody, now, I guess the only fortunate thing is Carlton Pearson went off the radar so fast. People went, whoa, we're not taking a right turn here. Some of these others like Rick Warren and Joseph Prince and some of your favorite Word of Faith guys, they're taking a lot more gentle turn. So we're not being herky jerked off the track. We're being slowly pulled off that direction. That may be the only positive thing of Carlton Pearson's defection from the truth. It was a 90 overnight. And so you have to be careful. You have to know the Bible like never before. Uh, they can demonstrate signs and wonders. How many ding-dong charismatic Christians went down to Lakeland, Florida to that guy, whatever his name was, with all the piercings and tattoos and he was supposed to be working signs and wonders. They were packing it out, ran for two or three months straight every night. Come to find out he was having threesomes with women every night and stealing money and, and uh, just a big debaucherous heretic. But the charismatics, the word of faith, some of the prominent leaders in the body went down there and endorsed that. And all you had to do was hit mute and look at him. And you see that he had weird rings on his fingers like a sorcerer. Now, he used to be part of the vineyard movement. He used to have a clean ministry. He's my age. And he's tattooed up. It looks like he got off a motorcycle, was lying on interviews, saying, I had these tattoos before I got saved. No, you don't. One quick Google search of you finds you when you were 22 at a hotel revival and you were clean cut and had a tie on. What an idiot. I mean, honestly, it makes the body of Christ look like a bunch of buffoons. People leaving their local church. It was funny as a couple years ago when that was all hot and heavy. 
I got to preaching hard on it on a Sunday night service. I said, why am I talking about this? My people are smarter than this. We had a guest family that night. They were on their way to that revival. And I said, boy, the Holy Ghost is so smart. Why am I even talking about this? My church doesn't even know that revival's going on. Why am I talking about this? After service, that couple came down and said, sir, that, uh, that, that revival you're talking about, we're on our way to Florida right now to go there. I said, don't. You'd be better off. Well, we, that's the whole reason we've come this far. I said, you'd be better off canceling that. and Just go lay on the beach. You'll be more anointed and safe. Have a good vacation. Lay on the beach. Go to Disney World with the homosexuals. You'd be safer. They went anyway just to check it out because curiosity kills Christians too. <laughs> they can demonstrate signs and wonders. So we don't follow signs and wonders either. We love them, but they follow us. We don't follow them. They stealthily and subtly and purposely bring in damnable heresies. You won't ever catch it unless you know the word because they bring it in that subtle. They merchandise the people of God, viewing them as merely a dollar sign. That's big on TBN. I wish TBN would go off the air or whoever runs it. Maybe just change their standard and maybe say you, you, you agreed to sign a statement of faith. We can negotiate on these three things, but the rest of this we can't negotiate on and have better doctrine than what they're putting on air. They're going to hold everybody who runs a Christian television. God's going to hold everybody who runs a Christian television station responsible for what they put on the air. You cannot forget that they're all about money. That's what this verse says in 2 Peter. They merchandise the people of God, viewing them as a mere dollar sign. Because as the enemies of Christ, they mind earthly things. Excuse me, the enemies of the cross. That's what Paul said in the Philippians. They are the enemies of the cross, and they have their mind set on earthly things. When all a preacher brags about is his motorcycle, or his car, or his jet, or his suit, or his shoes, or his watch, he is found in Philippians. All he does is mind earthly things. Those guys don't brag on how many folks got born again, how many demons came out, how many folks rededicated their life, how many marriages they saved. They brag on the dollar sign. They are of the world, and they comfortably hobnob with worldly people. True preachers fellowship in the light and are uncomfortable around worldly settings. I've been a part of churches where the pastor was comfortable hobnobbing around carnal people. One of the churches we went to in Indy, that pastor loved going to the jazz bars. I'm not against jazz music. It's just neither here nor there for the most part. But you start going to anything with the word bar. Anything with the word bar. You're not really walking in the light anymore. Because the Bible says have no fellowship with that darkness, but rather reprove it. And uh, finally, they use grace as an excuse to sin and feel no remorse. Hey, man, it's no big deal. Grace will cover it. No big deal. You got your girlfriend pregnant. No, no big deal. You just got high on weed for the third time this week. No big deal. that you, you just, You're watching porn. No big deal. Yeah, grace will cover it. That was yesterday. It's under the blood. Yeah, but yesterday's going to belch itself up tomorrow. No big deal. This thing's sin. It's just cancer. It's no big deal. It's just melanoma growing on your face. It's no big deal. It's just gangrene chewing off your toes. It's no big deal. Look, it's not as bad as it was yesterday but it's still there. It is my personal conviction that very few false ministers start off, start off false. I believe they start off genuine and eager to build the kingdom. I believe that. I believe most 
false preachers start off genuine and eager to serve God, but later succumb to temptations, buffetings, and the workings of familiar spirits. However, the Bible is very clear about false ministers. They are no longer God's ministers. That's scary. They have become Satan's ministers. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. So they're still workers. Paul acknowledges they're still workers. They're still working in the ministry. They're still moving among the churches. But they're false apostles and they're deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, if you try to transform yourself, you can't. It must be the power of God that transforms you. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers... Paul's very clear. He cuts to the chase. Once they go rogue, they're no longer ministers of the gospel. They now belong to Satan. That's what those two verses are saying. Do you interpret it that way? His ministers refers to Satan. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end is according to their destruction, excuse me, their works. I would say, I guess my judgment is they have the possibility to repent if they want to, But even back in Paul's day, he says, these are satanic apostles. These are satanic preachers. And they're subtly coming in and ruining things. Now, maybe they can repent. Maybe they can get their message cleaned up. But I think we're running out of time. And I think there could be a point of no return because it takes humility. And the one thing a false worker lacks is humility. Humility keeps you from becoming false. But pride was Satan's origination, his master plan. And if he gets it working in your life, you you could be very well toast. The end result, many carnal and lukewarm Christians are successfully finding carnal and heretical preachers to lead them in their lukewarm and damnable lifestyle. The reason these ministers are rich is because they're ministering to a want in the body of Christ. The only reason those guys on Christian television have so much money is because the body of Christ, generally speaking, is stupid. If nobody financed them, they couldn't be on television. If nobody financed them, they couldn't drive Bentleys. If nobody financed them, they they couldn't have airplanes. If nobody financed them, they couldn't have a $10,000 suit and a $40,000 watch. Their money is coming from us. But they are successful because the church is carnal and they have found a want and a need in some Christians. Now, perhaps none of you supply the need of anybody on TBN or Dayspring or Daystar Inspiration or whatever, but somebody you know is. And that's the scary thing is that they are successfully making merchandise of the church. And honestly, what are they giving in return? There's no real substance to their message. There's no real food. There's no spiritual nourishment. They're not pastoring you. Yeah, they have the nicest and most polished of everything. The way this deception works is that it is so beautifully packaged. It is so close to the real thing. You can't even taste the strychnine in the meal. You can't even taste uh, the poison in the message. They have transformed themselves into into the uh, messengers of righteousness. The thing works because Christians want to be misled. Not you and I, 
but some do. The thing works for them because there's a carnality in the hearts of the believers. That it's ministering to them. I have never met a Christian that I thought was strong reading a Joseph Prince book. The folks that promote that, hey, have you read this guy's book? It's awesome. You can size them up and down and say, you, you don't walk with Jesus. It's evident. One, of the, one pastor, we went to a special meeting, and this pastor was, uh, well, he was sloppy for one. He was chubby for two, so he lacked self-control. He boasted on the fact that he traveled with his two secretaries and not his wife. Something's wrong there. Red flag. Who travels with their two secretaries? So it was no surprise when he came up to me promoting Joseph Prince and Destined to Reign, his book on 1 John 1, 9 is not for today. But this guy, is a, this guy who was promoting it spirit-filled, preaching at a church we went to to visit and, and uh, kind of support. Hey, you got, that book will revolutionize. His, his message on grace will revolutionize you. You guy who travel with your secretaries and brag about it and you never travel with your wife, why would you brag about that? If I'm not traveling with Miss Manda, I'm traveling with a guy and maybe two or three. And nobody else getting close to me. That's weird. Even Billy Graham was smarter than that. He was a tremendously wise man. He wouldn't even have lunch with his daughter in public because somebody might take a bad photo and frame him for something he wasn't even guilty of. Many carnal and lukewarm Christians are successfully finding, notice the, the, the word there is carnal and lukewarm Christians. These are the folks that read Purpose Driven. These are the folks that read Rick Warren. These are the folks that read Joseph Prince. These are the folks that read Rob Bell. These are the folks that watch TBN. Lukewarm and carnal. They are finding carnal and heretical preachers to lead them in their lukewarm and damnable lifestyles. Let me throw this out there about TBN. Most of what's on there anymore is a jackpot bingo mentality. Get, it, get in on this offering and you'll get rich. Nobody that I know of on TBN is teaching to go to your local church and work. Nobody I know of on TBN except for maybe one or two is teaching. Get out there and do door-to-door evangelism. What we find mostly on Christian television is selfish gimmicks that play to your emotions and make them rich. Oh, if you get on this, every, every debt will be broken. Every bond will be loosed. You'll be set free. Hardly anybody on there that I can think of, except for maybe one or two true pastors like Dr. Charles Stanley and that Australian guy that knows how to win people to Jesus left and right and maybe Reinhard Bonnke and Billy Graham classics. The rest of it can all just go off the air for all I know. They're teaching the church to be weak and needy and play their, their offering as a bingo scratch-off. Maybe, maybe this will be the breakthrough offering. Maybe this will be the breakthrough offering. That's ministering to the laziness in the body. This is all the work of the spirit of Antichrist. The carnal church will look for a leader and behold, one will arise and lead them into apostasy. And this is the great falling away. So, as not as encouraging as that message is, we're not going to be deceived. We're going to stay with the word. We're going to stick with evangelism. We're going to stick with missions. We're going to stick with the local church. We'll have in big ministers if they have anything worth saying. But it, this thing's too easy to stay in right with. It takes a lot to jump the tracks of a train. You have to want to derail a train. And unfortunately, I guess many Christians just want to be derailed. But if you'll stick with Jesus, stick with the Word, stick with the Spirit of God, you can't go wrong.
It's that easy. These are the days that we live in. Deception abounds and it's not going to go away. It's not going to let off. It's only going to get more and more deceptive. So appreciate you guys coming out. That concludes our seventh lesson. Love you guys. We'll get ready for regular service.